0: There is a, there's tremendous power in touch, isn't
1: there? There's tremendous power in, 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 in the touch of, of a hand, of, 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 of skin, feeling skin. I mean, whether it be a high five or a pat on the back or a comforting squeeze of a the hand, there, there's just something about the power of touch. Did, did you know that your skin is your largest organ? We don't tend to think that we tend to think of the organs are, are things that are on the inside of our body. We don't actually think that our, we don't necessarily think that skin is an organ, but our skin is the largest organ of our body. For the average adult human, our skin weighs about eight pounds, about eight pounds. And if you were to uh, cut it off of our frame and roll it out flat, it would measure about 22 square feet. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing how just (laughs) sometimes, sometimes you come and you get trivia because my my brain remembers the craziest things. Like like, we'll we'll be having conversation at the house, and and this kid's like, "That's not true." I'm like, "Well, I I read it somewhere, and I can't find it." So, so I I I love Google because Google usually helps me find things uh, right away. And so, uh, but yeah, I I was searching. "What, what, What 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 is this about skin? And then, you know. It weighs by eight pounds. And there'll be some more fun facts here later on that you guys can store away and and share over the coffee, over the water cooler at some point uh, this week. But isn't it amazing how just a simple squeeze of the hand can communicate so much. It can communicate, you'll be okay.
0: I'm proud of you. I'm worried about that too. It's scary, isn't it? You're amazing. I love you.
1: All from the squeeze of a hand. Just that simple human touch. Touch is so vital to human experience. We all need touch. We all need comfort. We all need connection. The security that from simple skin to skin contact. And certainly there are certain touches that are, that are inappropriate and are unwanted. And, and we're not referring to those. Those are, are obviously hurtful and harmful and, and, and ought to be uh, avoided and, and, and withheld at all costs. But there's something about the appropriate touch. By Appropriate touch, it provides a powerful physical, emotional benefit. Any touch, even an incidental one, that that doesn't even have to last for a whole second, can soothe a physiological response to stress. Helps lower blood pressure and and relieve the the effects of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Appropriate touch also may release a, a hormone called oxytocin that helps to build feelings of trust and connection. Did you know that there is a disease called skin hunger, that there is, uh, that that, that you can be, there's a condition being called, that's called touch starved. And this occurs when someone receives little to no physical touch over a, a, a large, a long period of time from other living beings. Those who suffer uh, skin hunger can experience depression, anxiety, physical discomfort, pain, and even hallucinations. Touch can be so powerful that premature babies who receive three uh, 15-minute episodes of uh, skin therapy, of of, of touch therapy, over a period of five to 10 days, gain 47% more weight than other premature babies who receive just the regular standard medical care. Touch can be so life-giving. It can be associated with improved IQ and language acquisition in young children, even reading achievement and memory, A- as well as other neonatal development and even geriatric health. Touch is good for people of all ages. Everyone of all ages everywhere needs
0: touch. But what would happen if that all went away?
1: What would happen if that all went away? Or what if even normal touch became painful? It, it, well, what if someone touched you, but you couldn't feel it? Or worse, what if someone wanted to touch you,
0: but it's forbidden by law and by custom, and by culture? How would you feel? Would you feel unloved? Would you feel unwanted? Would you feel unknown?
1: What if you were used to being able to be touched by others and then one day it all went away? What would it feel like to have the power and the ability to have, all of a sudden, have the sense of touch returned to you again? If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus just finished the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's been up on this mountain. He's been uh, up on this hillside. He's been teaching the people and, and, and they, they've come away just amazed. Hey, no one has ever spoken like this. He spoke with such power and such authority. Uh, the, 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 the people who were, who were there were just uh, were hung on every word. And they begin to make their way back down uh, from uh, the, the site where, uh, the, 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 where the Sermon on the Mount was, was preached begin to make their way back into town, the town of Capernaum. And as Jesus and the the crowd is coming down, they're sharing stories. They're talking, they're asking questions. And as they come into town, there's a man who's coming out of town. He's walking out. He's by himself. He's all alone. But today he's going to know the power of a single touch. That's what Matthew writes. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him and a, a man with leprosy came and, and knelt before him and said, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. "I am willing," he said, "be clean." Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy, and then Jesus said to him, "See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses Commanded as a testimony
0: to them. I mean, Jesus
1: just uh, f- completed one of his most powerful sermons. Matthew records five different sermons throughout his gospel. This is the first one, probably his most uh, familiar, his most famous of all the sermons that we read in all the gospels. And as Jesus is coming down from this moment, there is this large crowd that is following him. As he goes, as he comes down the hill, uh, the, just the crowds are, are surrounding him. They're, they're sharing, they're, they're, they're in awe of his authority that he speaks with. And the site is believed to be somewhere on the, the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And as I said, they, came down, they come down, they come back into likely the town of Capernaum. As they come back down there, you, can you just imagine what they were feeling, what they were experiencing? having heard Jesus teach, having heard Jesus preach, I, I, I'm, I'm sure the words that Matthew writes are just some of them. There are parts in there that, that maybe Jesus spoke that Matthew wasn't able to get all written down. There are parts that may have been left out. There are parts that may have just been summarized. But even if you sat down today and you re- read the, the Sermon on the Mount, there's, there is such, you can hear the, the authority and the, the power in which Jesus would have preached it. Imagine being in the crowd that day as they make their way back down, having just heard all this. And as they begin to make their way towards Capernaum, this large group, they see this single individual coming out. And they just see and they, they, they don't just kind of shy away. You just see, like, almost like the seas part, right? You see, maybe there's just one huge mass, and all of a sudden, everyone just kind of begins to spread out. Why? Because this man had leprosy. Now, we don't necessarily have uh, too many diseases here in America that are similar to leprosy, but leprosy is, is, a, is a skin and neurological disease where you, you would lose feeling in your extremities. You know, maybe one day you were, uh, you were cutting up uh, so, some meat, you're cutting some meat, and, you, and you, you sliced your finger, and all of a sudden you couldn't feel it. You didn't necessarily, you, you, maybe you saw the blood and you bandaged it up, but... You couldn't feel, you didn't feel the pain. You didn't, you maybe, since you didn't feel it and you maybe thought it was better and you begin to open it up and your skin's not really healing. And and so it gets infected and and you begin to have that process pass throughout your body. It was, uh, it was an awful, disgusting, smelly, dirty disease and and it was believed to be severely, extremely, extremely contagious. And so, so you, you were immediately cast out of your community. You were cast away from your family. You, you, all of a sudden, you, you may have been once close to those who are near you. You were forced to leave them. And as you would go around, even maybe going passing through town, anytime you came close to anybody, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that would do to your self-esteem? All of a sudden, go from being someone who is known and loved to having to shout unclean every time you were in public. As you'd walk along, people uh, were, were supposed to avoid you. They, they, they were supposed to keep a distance of about six feet. Lepers, while, while they had to leave their families, they would often try to form up inconditions of their own. So they were, they were at least with others. They had, had some sense of community with one another. Healthy people would try to avoid them at all costs because they they, they they would even uh, you know, Kevin they would even like not even wave thinking that by, even by waving at them they might con- uh, contract the disease. There were some uh, Old Testament there were some rabbis who took the Old Testament teaching to avoid those with leprosy. They took it to a whole new level. While, while, while they said that you were supposed to keep a, a six foot distance, social distancing. You know, we, we, we we're somewhat familiar with that. They said, if you were downwind from a leper, that a hundred feet wouldn't hardly be enough. There's one rabbi, he wouldn't buy an egg on a street where, where there's a leper. He wouldn't buy an egg from the market for if there was a leper that was anywhere near that street because he was afraid that he would contract leprosy from that egg. There was another rabbi who would, as he would as he'd walk along, if he saw a leper, he would, he would throw stones at them. To keep them at a further distance.
0: They would shout unclean, unclean to help people stay
1: away and help encourage them to pray for them. And so you have this leper on this day. He knows the rules. He knows the custom. He knows he's supposed to keep his distance. But as he sees Jesus, as he hears Jesus coming back into town,
0: he breaks all protocol. And he goes
1: right up. To Jesus goes right up to him And he kneels down he takes a, a, a position of humility if we think that the the lepers uh, his action is surprising Jesus response even more so he, he approaches Jesus he falls down on the ground he he says he says Jesus he goes Lord if you are willing you can make me clean he recognizes in Jesus that there is a power, that there is an authority. Maybe he had heard uh, him teach. Maybe he had been just close enough to be able to hear Jesus teach at some point in, while he was around Capernaum. Maybe he just heard stories, walking through the marketplace, walking, being somewhere around the town, being somewhere just around. He heard stories of, of the power of Jesus and the, and the words that he said. And the maybe he heard about the miraculous catch of fish with Peter and Andrew. Maybe he he, he heard. Uh, of the healings that he had provided in the area. maybe he thought maybe just maybe Jesus might have one for me. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. For us, when we hear the word Lord, we, we jump immediately to divinity. This, he's, this is a statement of, he recognizes Jesus as God. And, but the word Lord also could just mean sir. So it may just be one of those things where he doesn't necessarily know that he doesn't necessarily believe Jesus the Son of God, but he also just recognizes that he is a man of authority, he is a man of power, and so he, he gives him this honor of saying, Lord,
0: Lord, if you are willing, I believe you can make me clean.
1: There's no precedent for this kind of request. I mean, you can pour over scripture, you can see that, that the leprosy was present even from the time when, when uh, uh, Moses is bring, about to bring the Israelites out of Egypt all the way. Until, all all the way throughout scripture, leprosy is a a present disease. And there's no precedent anywhere for anyone to make a request like this. No one has ever done this before. This man puts himself at risk for violent retribution. I mean, mean, if, 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 if there are rabbis who are willing to throw stones at him, how much more might there be other people? Who, who would do go to great lengths to, to, to enact pain, further pain upon him. Not only that, but the humiliation of coming to the crowd, of his wounds exposed, of whatever else that might bring. So he approaches Jesus, and you can see the people start to scatter.
0: And as the people scatter away,
1: Jesus leans in. People are going away. People are, are, are avoiding him. And Jesus draws closer. Jesus leans in, but he does much more than that. Moved by compassion, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the man.
0: He touches the man with leprosy. He says, I am willing to be clean.
1: See, if a leper approached another person, that was a no-no. That was something you just they just did not do. But even more than that, you never touched a leper. That was even more out of bounds. In fact, it was said that if you touched a leper, their uncleanness was passed to you. So you would be ceremonially, you'd be religiously unclean until you had the opportunity to go through the appropriate washings and the appropriate uh, time frame, maybe even a sacrifice that would need to be made to. Restore you to cleanliness.
0: <clears throat> so, whether even,
1: even if you never contracted leprosy, even just a touch, you'd be considered unclean. But Jesus' actions proved that he was not concerned about social taboos. Jesus was not concerned about, about, about social customs. He was not concerned about what others thought of him. He knew what was right. He knew. How he needed to respond. He knew what compassion would call him and lead him to do. Remember, Jesus would live life with a zoom lens. He's he spent the time with the crowds and he taught them and encouraged them and shared with them the way of God. But then, in this moment, he's willing to push the crowds to the outside and zoom
0: in and care for this one, this one who'd been cast out, who'd been unwanted unloved and been left unknown. He'd been untouched for who knows how long.
1: So Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and he, he touches the man. Now word for touch isn't just a brush. It's not just high five. It's not a brief moment of contact. The, 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 the word used is more. Like he grabs hold. Have you ever shook someone's hand when they like shook your whole body? You know, you, know you, you, you get that, you know, that, that, that old time kind of pastoral handshake where only they grab the hand, but they grab the elbow. They're like you're not going anywhere. And you almost see that from Jesus. Jesus doesn't just kind of go, hey man, it's not just a high five. It's not just a pound on the back Say, hey, I'm sorry. He grabs hold of him and he holds on to him for, for, yeah. You know, and, and then you also have like those handshakes that last just like a little bit too long. And you're like, you're like, I'd like my hand back now, please. Maybe this is like one of those Jesus holds on and, and
0: he, he, he's not just doing this for the man.
1: He's doing this for the crowd because they were repulsed. They were uh, afraid. They stepped away. They scattered. And Jesus holds on to the man for maybe an uncomfortably long amount of time because he's not just communicating worth to this man and love to the leper, he's also telling the community it's time to bring him back home. It's time for him to be welcomed in. He had been an outcast already, and nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in, even in all recorded history, is there a time when leprosy was
0: not healed outside of the hand of God?
1: You see, uh, a display with Moses and Miriam back in Exodus. You see uh, Naaman, the, the, uh, the Aramean uh, general, comes to Elisha. And Elisha says, Hey, go
0: wash in the, the Jordan. And he dips in the Jordan, and
1: as he dips in the Jordan, God heals his body. We see throughout the Gospels different times when through Jesus, uh, or, or, or someone else, to, to, as God uses that individual to heal a person from leprosy. So Jesus could have healed with just words, right? We've seen it. He, he raises the dead. He, 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 um, uh, he, 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 we can see that Jesus, we use word sometimes just words to heal. You also see throughout the Gospels, Jesus doesn't even have to be present. He can heal from a distance over, over miles of, of distance over, over time. Jesus can heal immediately. He does not need to touch this man to bring healing, but he has to touch this man to bring healing because he wasn't just going to leave his skin hole. He was going to restore him back to life. He was going to restore him back to his family.
0: Jesus' touch was necessary because he was going to supply more than just physical healing to this man. The man no he needed to be cleansed from his leprosy, he needed to know the feeling of touch from another
1: human. He needed to know what it was like to once again feel the warmth of human touch. He needed to be restored to his family and to his
0: community. What did we say about the power of
1: touch? Jesus provides a healing touch. His leprosy was removed. He provides a a, a comforting touch, the warmth of another caring human being. He supplies a restorative touch to bring the man back into his community. He welcomes him back into his family. The healing and the cleansing was not just physical. That was easily seen. It was as much emotional and social as well.
0: And Jesus deals with all of these with just one touch. Then Jesus tells him to do two things, right?
1: Comes to him, he kneels down. Lord, if you're willing, cleanse me. He says, I'm willing. He touches him. There's that moment. And and you you can see him being cleansed in the moment. Can you imagine what the people saw? Right? Did they all of a sudden see
0: his skin start to clear up? Did they see his complexion change? they begin to draw a little bit closer? Can't believe my eyes.
1: And there the crowds are. They hear and they see, and Jesus says this, uh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Okay. So, so imagine this, okay. Picture in your mind, like the worst thing, what what was the worst thing that you've never seen anyone overcome, right? Worst thing, like like this happens to them and it's either a, a death sentence or their life is just completely wrecked, never to recover. Put, pick that picture in your mind. And then imagine Jesus coming up and touching that person or, 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 or changing something in that moment. And all of a sudden, that person's life is completely radically changed
0: in an instant. What would you do? What? You know, all of a sudden, I, 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 I go from being
1: bald to like having a you know, beautiful head full of hair. You know? I, I, I go from, you know, from not being able to use uh, this arm or this leg or something. And all of a sudden now immediately I, I can go and run and jump and play and whatever. Can you imagine you, you would just take the, that double take? These people are looking. And then Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And you're probably thinking, yeah, right. This is the best day of my life. That's the best day. I saw this thing today that you would not believe. And you're thinking, Jesus, didn't you come to build a kingdom? Didn't you come to to, to establish God's kingdom? Don't you want others to know? But Jesus did come to bring a kingdom. And he wanted others to follow him. But he doesn't want it to happen just because of the miracles. See, it wasn't just about the displays of power. Those would serve to verify who he is. But that is not why he came. Those are two different things. If the miracles were why he came, then he would just move from spectacle to spectacle to spectacle, right? Nobody would have died. Nobody would have gotten sick. Everything would have been just perfect. But on this day, this man is healed from leprosy. At the same time, there's probably someone else somewhere else in Israel who dies from leprosy. Jesus didn't come to make everything right.
0: These miracles he he brings are sort of to verify
1: who he is. And so he downplays the miracle. And has the leper just merely show himself to the priest? Go. Have them look at you, have them restore you officially to worship into community. Offer the sacrifices that are necessary to restore you to your family and to community. But
0: don't tell anyone. And so how does this play for us? How does this work
1: for us? See, our acts of compassion ought to leave the world around us better and not just make us feel better. Sometimes we respond with compassion, and and sometimes uh, we, we think that our act of compassion helps. But sometimes our act of helping may end up leaving a vacuum that then creates greater hurt after we leave. Oh, it makes us feel better, but it may not make the situation better. Sometimes our act of compassion doesn't restore the help and the life that we think it is. So we might need to do some research to make sure that the touch that we bring is the appropriate kind of healing touch that needs to be brought. See, Jesus loved one person at a time because he knew that was the quickest way to make a difference. And that seems odd because we think, man, if I can affect a whole bunch of people all at once, that should make a bigger difference. But sometimes, sometimes it's just one domino after another, one person at a time. And as this person has their life changed, maybe that becomes two people and then four. And then on down the line, as we begin to just give one, one push, one, one uh, movement on the flywheel at a time with each person jesus loved he gave the flywheel one push with each time we love someone we give the flywheel one push then maybe someone comes behind us and and they show compassion and as we begin to have more of us show god's love to those around us that flywheel begins to get a little bit of momentum and begins to go and as we get some momentum we begin to gain some influence And the influence makes it possible to show how God's love can, can move in exponentially greater ways. We begin
0: to add one, one act of love upon another for Jesus. It started
1: with, it started with where others were unwilling to go. It started with, with doing what others were unwilling to do. No rabbi anywhere would approach much less touch a leper. Only Jesus is willing to put social taboos
0: aside to bring about healing. To bring about a restorative touch to a man who had not felt touched in maybe years. See, sometimes
1: it's easier for us to believe that God can display great power rather than God would love someone like us. A man named F.F. Bruce said this, men more easily believe in miraculous power than in miraculous love. It's easy for us to believe that God would create the world, that God could part the sea, that God could do amazing things, but sometimes we wonder, can God miraculously love someone
0: like me? In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate
1: and remember Jesus' death on the cross. We'll gather here on Good Friday and the lights will be low and we'll sing songs and our minds and our thoughts will be turned towards a cross and the sacrifice that he made for us that day. And sometimes it's easier for us to believe that God would raise Jesus from the dead on Sunday than the fact that Jesus would lay his life down for us on Friday.
0: How could God love someone like me?
1: Sometimes we feel like the outcast. We feel like the leper. We feel like we're the ones who's unknown, unloved, and unwanted. But Jesus would stop the world. He'd stop the crowds, and he would zoom in on this one. And he would provide the compassion and the touch that that man needed. And if we were in the crowd that day, with whatever hurts we might bring, Jesus would stop the world. He'd focus in on us and give us what we need in that moment. See, if we are truly in the people business, these are the sorts of things that ought to become more and more commonplace in our lives. Too often we reserve our love for those who we, see, who we already deem worthy. Those who will reciprocate our, our love back to us.
0: See, true love is unconditional. You don't give because of, but regardless of. So Leaves us with two questions today. One, how has God loved me? How has God loved me? And what would it
1: be like? What would it be like if I was someone who is hard to love? I mean, in that time, in that culture, in that place, was there anyone who
0: more difficult to love than a leper? Yet Jesus
1: stopped and gave him the act of love and compassion that he needed. So what if we, what if we were the person who is hard to love? 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. And God loved us fully, unconditionally, by Jesus dying on our on the cross in our place for our sins. Jesus never asked, well, is Mike going to be hard to love?
0: Is Lonnie gonna be hard to love? is Mary going to be hard to love? He didn't ask those questions. He just did it. He laid down his life
1: for us by showing us the full extent of his love, by displaying an extravagant demonstration of his love for us. He calls us to do the same for those around us. That his demonstration of love brought salvation to you and I and our Extravagant dis- display of love to others might help welcome them and introduce them to their Savior. So maybe today, maybe today you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. That you would accept His work on the cross applied to your life. Maybe you've already chosen Jesus as your Savior. And we've just been kind of going through life, going through the motions. Maybe today, Maybe today you need to take a new step, a fresh step in your walk, in your journey of faith.
0: So my challenge for you this week is this
1: Is there a boundary? Not, not a moral boundary, not not not, not, not an illegal, not legal or illegal boundary to cross, but is there a boundary that you need to cross so you can show God's love to someone who's hard to love? Is there something that you need to do that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable to show God's love to someone who may be hard to love. Someone who feels like an outsider, someone who is, who is separated, someone who is, who, is, who is disconnected from him. Remember, we love because he first loved us. So is there some place you need to go that you've been afraid to go to share with someone that God loves them?
0: Are there people who need to know that God loves them because that's just because we deem them worthy, but because God loves them.
1: May God help us to reach out, not just to those who are up and out, but those who may be down and out, those who might be considered the least and the lost. Maybe today God's moving in your life and there's a step that you need to take. There's a, there's a direction you need to go, but you maybe you just need to share and you need to talk with someone. I'll be in the back after the service. You can talk to Mark or Jim or David. We'll, we'll be around as well. Love will be able to talk to you about what step of faith you need to take next. Maybe today you're at home or maybe you're here and you just want to share with us a little more privately. You can use the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. You can mark the appropriate box. We'll connect and follow up with you and encourage you and pray for you and help resource you as you continue to grow in your faith. As we continue to begin to put into action these, these, these thoughts and acts of compassion. This week. Who knows, but that a simple touch from one of God's children might bring someone back into relationship with him. Might
0: help someone come back home to him. So as we leave here today, never underestimate the power of just one touch. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
1: Father, we thank you that you have moved in our life. Father, you've encouraged us. You've, you've caused others to, to intervene, to, to share, to, to, to show your love to us. And Father, many of us have responded. Many of us have put our hope and faith in you. And, and Father, I pray that as you continue to work in our life, Father, would you begin to shape and change us so that we can begin to, uh, to, 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 to change the world around us. <clears throat> that we may know more of you, that we may share your love with others, that Father, you would
0: you would do great things through us.
1: Father, may we, be, may we be reminded of how you've shown your love to us. Father, would you help us then to share that same love with others, drawing them to you, calling them to you, leading them to know you, that you might be glorified, that you might be made great. That Father, the whole world would know of how you have loved
0: and saved them. Father, we thank you that you crossed all sorts of boundaries, all sorts of lines that man had drawn to even reach out and to touch this man today. Father, we thank you for touching us, for showing your love to us. Help us to do that more in our life, in our place
1: today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are glad that you've taken time from your Sunday to join us here in worship today. we hope that you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.